I think the parents should be just closing their mouths unless it's going to be something earth shattering or life changing or whatever that might be. But most of the time you just stay quiet, let the younger couple figure it out and go to God on their own and work it out together and not be interfering. How do you forgive when the wound is still open? How do you leave a legacy of redemption instead of dysfunction? How do you trust God when your deepest fears are realized? Join me, Sarah May, along with some wise mentors along the way as we explore these and other messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Hey everyone, on today's show, I'm interviewing my mother-in-law on boundaries between mothers and daughters-in-law. I always tell people I have the most normal in-laws. They don't cross boundaries or try to manipulate us, and while we still have things to work out and let grace cover, I'm so thankful they are my people now. The reason I decided to interview my mother-in-law is because we learned early on the importance of setting boundaries in order to respect each other and love each other well. One of the stories you're going to hear is about my wedding veil and how my mother-in-law, Susan, crossed a boundary, thankfully, early on so we could deal with it, and how she so wisely and kindly acknowledged it and asked forgiveness. I am sure I have crossed many boundaries with her, but Susan has let Grace cover so much of my immaturity, and I know I have grown and am growing, I've got so much to go, in wisdom and maturity because of her example. I encourage you to listen to this show with your husband if you have one and send it along to family and friends. You're going to enjoy it. And Susan and I both pray it encourages you. Okay, let's get to it. Oh, you guys, I am so excited for you to meet my mother-in-law, who I always tell everybody is just really normal. So today on the show is Susan Hoover, my mother-in-law. Susan, thank you so much for being on the Complicated Heart Podcast. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about boundaries. And I got a lot of questions from all of you listeners out there about, would you please talk about in-laws and boundaries? Yeah, I definitely want to do it because when I came into this family, my husband's family, I, um, everyone, you know, always talks about like there's in-laws jokes and all of those kinds of things. And I realized that I got a really normal family and they don't cross boundaries and they're pretty emotionally and spiritually healthy people. And they have taught me how to be an emotionally and spiritually healthy person. So Susan, would you tell me a little bit, just give the listeners like a little brief snapshot of who you are. So tell me, Tell me something that you love. Tell me what you're doing right now for work or not work. Give me, give us a little, like, you know, couple sentence snapshot of who you are. Well, I think um, one of the things that um, probably gets my engines going more than anything is the thought of mentoring or discipling other women and watching them grow and watching them have these aha moments with the Lord because the Lord cares for us so much. He loves us. 
He wants us to know him more, and he wants us to really flourish in our lives. So I really share that with you, Sarah, um, in that, and I share that with my own daughters as well. So I felt like, I feel like there's an ongoing thing through the generations of having a heart for that. And it's only because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Mm, That's so good. I love that. Oh, you guys are going to love her. Suze, would you be willing to share the veil story? Absolutely. Uh, It was not a shining moment in my, in my life, but uh, this goes back uh, many years ago when um, our son had met this a uh, beautiful lady inside and out. Um, we didn't know her that well, but I was new um, in being a mother-in-law. There is no mother-in-law school. So you're trying to just learn how to be through really God's examples from what he says in the Bible. But anyway, um, uh, at that time, my husband and I were shooting weddings. We did photography for weddings. And so this, they are, were allowing us to shoot their wedding and we were looking forward to it. And in my mind, the epitome of a, of a bride is to be able to use that veil in so many different ways. And it just brings out the bride's beauty in really exquisite ways. So Sarah May was talking with me uh, before it was before their marriage. And she was just talking about her ideas. And she says, No, nope, I don't think I want a veil. I'm just going to have my hair done, um, have it really pretty and I'll go without a veil. Well, I didn't say anything. At least I was smart enough not to say something then. But I started thinking about it. And I was envisioning all these mi- missed pictures like it really mattered. There would there were hundreds and hundreds of pictures. So one day I was talking with my son and I started talking with him and he was oblivious to all of it. And I said, you know, Sarah May would look so beautiful with a veil. Maybe you ought to encourage her in wearing that veil. Now, when I said that deep down, I knew that, that this wasn't right. And he goes, oh, okay. He didn't really think about it. He's a guy. He just didn't think about it. So I figured he'd forget about it, but he didn't. And he went and he said something to Sarah May. Now, knowing Sarah May now that um, I didn't realize how intuitive she was at the time when I was having another conversation with her, uh, we were just talking in general. And then she goes, so, and she wasn't unkind. She wasn't anything. She had a little smile on her face, which I'm surprised she did. She goes, so, um, you're trying to get me to wear a veil by talking to Jesse first and trying to get him to get me to wear a veil. And I sat, I stood there and I was like mortified. I thought, oh, Susan, this was so wrong. So I just looked at her. I don't even remember. Like, I mean, I, I remember the whole situation, but I don't remember me saying that. Was I like, is that how it went down? You were very nice. You were kind of making light of it, which you really probably should have been a little bit mad, but you weren't. And I just stood there and I realized, oh, this was it. You know, in, in some people's minds, it would be, well, that wasn't such a big deal, but I knew that this was a no, no, this was just a small thing but that could turn into big things. So I stood there and I apologized. I said, you know what? I named it. I said, that's manipulation. I shouldn't have done that. It's your wedding. You do exactly what you want to do. And I, so from there, and she 
you didn't even feel like you didn't treat me like I had really done anything, but I knew that I had tried to manipulate a situation and that could be the root of other manipulations. And I knew it was a no, no. So here's what I love about this is that I come from a background with all kinds of boundary crossing and manipulation and dysfunction. And so when this happened, I, I know I was upset when my husband came to me because I was like, I did not want a veil. And then I, when I realized my husband's trying to talk me into it, it was like the little clicker went off in my brain, like, ah, Susan. <laughs> and then, but then what was so incredible was that you apologized to me and that floored me because it wasn't a huge thing. I mean, it was a thing and it could have been a big thing, but I just so appreciated that you said that, that you acknowledged that it was crossing a boundary and that you said that you were sorry. And that taught me so much, but here's the incredible thing. That was 16 years ago. And I cannot even think of a time since that you have crossed a boundary. Now, everybody listening, we, it's not that things are perfect. We have to work things through, you know, <laughs> but the reason I have her on today is because she has shown such wisdom and restraint when it comes to uh, boundaries. So I'm just so grateful, Susan, that, that that happened with us. I think what you probably do is you, when you see something in us or you see something with our kids or our parenting, you probably just do a lot of praying. Well, that is exactly what I do because I think uh, as the older one, um, and you may see some things in my life or other people's lives as well, but I realize that I really want to stay quiet and just pray and ask God because for most things, I think um, the parents should be just closing their mouths unless it's going to be something earth shattering or life changing or whatever that might be. But most of the time you just stay quiet and let them let the younger couple figure it out and go to God on their own and work it out together and not be interfering. And that's, that can be really hard sometimes. Um, but I think to me, that is, that has been a real, uh, life saving thing in a sense in, in our relationship. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. So Susan, where did you learn to have such good boundaries, not interfere with our marriage or parenting or, you know, just sort of input your opinions? Like, how did you, did your, was your mother-in-law good at it? Like, where did you learn to, to do this? Well, actually, um, it was my own mom with my parents. I came from a non-Christian home, but they displayed, even in some of the issues that went on in my family, they just, dis they displayed a lot of Christian principles what I saw with, with her parents, we moved around a lot. And, and the philosophy that came through to me was once you're married, um, you, you connect with your husband, that is your family. Not that you don't, you know, interact with your extended family, but that is your core and that you cling to that husband. Um, you make decisions together, you talk together. Um, and I didn't see my grandmother interfering um, my mother was close to her mother, but I didn't see that. And then consequently, I did not, I, I didn't live around my parents for a lot, for most of my married life. 
But even when I was with them, I remember different instances when we were doing different things, and especially we were Christians and they weren't, so they probably thought we were a little off the wall. But um, most of the time, they did not, you know, give us their opinions on things. It was it was that, and then also when I became a believer, then I started reading the scriptures. I started reading books by other Christian um, authors that helped me in kind of pulling all that together and recognizing uh, what what a healthy family structure is and what healthy family. Uh, relationships were. But you know what? In my mind, Sarah, what it really comes down to is going back to the basics of what being a Christian is and what Jesus has taught us. He, he tells us to listen to his words and then to do them. He tells us to love one another. He tells us to be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another. Because of the grace given to us, he wants us to have grace towards others. So when you combine all those things and then just working on it day by day and then confessing your own sins to God, because I I don't have good thoughts all the time, and then looking at others, especially your family, because you know them the most, um, trying to look at them through Jesus's eyes. So put all that together, and that's what I have to do every day. Mm. That's really good. And I want to get into some nitty gritty questions. What is an example of a mother-in-law maybe crossing a boundary with a daughter-in-law? Well, you know, we always think it's always these major, major things, but it's all the little niggly things that can mount up in a relationship. So I will, I'll come up with an, I'll come up with a thought. Um, one thing could be, um, like, for instance, how, how maybe a mom uh, decides how they're going to dress their children. And maybe the mother-in-law thinks, you know, that's really not appropriate, but yet the parents are, they, you know, they're the ones that are deciding what they allow their children to wear or not to wear. And then the mother-in-law starts talking about it with her daughter-in-law um, or or starts to say something maybe directly to their child, maybe make a comment. You know, that that sounds like something that's not humongous, but that is questioning um, the parents and their decision-making. And even, even if it is so-called not appropriate, that is, that is not your business. What you can do, and that's not your business to speak to that grandchild either, you can pray about it. Just just pray about it because you may you may see somebody going down a line that you may be concerned about, but that is not that is not your business it's to, to start telling them how what they should allow and what they should not allow. I had asked some people if they had questions for you, and somebody said this, and I think this is a good time to ask it. They, this is a woman who said that she's becoming a mother-in-law. She is wondering how she can be a boundary respecting mother-in-law while also guiding and mentoring her as she's beginning, you know, her to build a new life with her son and family. How, how do you do that, Susan? How do you know when to insert as a mentor and, and at the same time being really careful to respect boundaries? Can you talk to us a little bit about the difference or how that works? A couple of things come to my mind. First of all, 
if I'm looking at the new mother-in-law, a number of things that she can do is first of all, just really realize um, in her realize what is happening when this union, when the union of her son and her new daughter-in-law come into being that really take to heart the scriptures of the so-called leaving and cleaving. And I, I, it sounds, you know, like so cliche and I don't mean it, mean it to, but to really get down into what does that really mean? What is, that does not mean that your son no longer loves you. You just really need to realize that this, this woman in his life is first in his life and that she is the one that he should be going to, not his mom. That doesn't mean he can't talk to her maybe about some things, but his wife needs to take priority and attachment. That is such a major thing, and to get that in your head. And then if you see a son coming, coming to you and being too attached to you, you should push them back towards their wife. As far as the daughter-in-law, I think if you just allow the friendship to grow naturally and to be, and to also remember what it was like to be a younger woman, an older woman can be intimidating because they have all this experience of running a home, raising children. If you have a professional mother-in-law, that could be intimidating as well because they've been on the planet a lot longer. So just to remember what it's what it's like to be the younger woman and to be very careful about not make being uh, over suggesting about anything correcting anything like that i'll give you an example um i i had a wonderful mother-in-law i think i was too hard on her at different times in my mind not outwardly but in my mind because she really did try and she tried to compliment me but she wasn't perfect I'm standing at the sink. She's in the house that I'm in now. So you can see the kitchen. She's sitting out in the living room and I'm washing a head of lettuce. And as I'm washing it, I may not, I don't do it quite the way that she does it. The Hoover family is very particular about how they wash everything. And so she, so she, she's sitting there and she looks at me. She goes, are you washing every, every piece of lettuce? And that burned me up. I'm like, don't even look. This is not your business. You are not going to die. We have not died. I'm just being honest. Um, I We have not died since I've been married 30 years or whatever it was. None of us have died. So I must be washing it well enough. Uh, very seldom did she do that, but it aggravated me. And um, so in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to, I'm hoping that I am not making these suggestions. I'm not correcting. I'm not doing those things because I don't need to most of the time because I don't like it when someone's always correcting me. So trying to just to remember that in the relationship and allow God, uh, allow the, allow time to, to develop over time because you'll eventually love that person allow God to help you care for that person. I think, I think they're two of the major things. And then naturally women naturally tend to um, counsel with each other and eventually, and that doesn't have to be direct. It can be just when we're talking about things that it will naturally come out. You know, that is so true because I was just trying to think in my head, like with you, when did I begin to feel like I could really trust you or I could come to you? And I really think there's something about 
keeping quiet, like your uh, boundary crossing opinions or whatever, manipulation or whatever, like you said, like if there was something in your head that you really wanted to say, or you didn't like something that I was doing with my kids and, and going to the Lord about it instead and being gracious to me, there's something about how being quiet equals trust because the less you inserted yourself into my life over time, then I remember like wanting to go to you and say, what do you think about this? Or can you give me your advice about this? Because I knew you had wisdom because you weren't always inserting yourself into our lives. And so there really is something about holding back, praying, trusting God, being gracious. Like I never have felt judged by you. Or even when I knew there was things you probably didn't like, I never felt judged. And in turn, though, that does, it makes me want to come to you and go like, can we talk about this? Or what do you think about this? And I'm really grateful for that. So there's really something to it. The other questions you were talking, I was thinking about how we keep saying like opinion, you know, boundary crossing, manipulation, whatever. What is, I guess, the difference between giving an opinion and crossing a boundary? Like, can you give an opinion without crossing a boundary? What would that look like? Um, I think in general conversation, um, opinions can come out because as we've talked many times in your front yard, you're the lady in the front yard that everybody comes and wants to chat with. I think opinions come out naturally. You already know my opinions in a lot of areas that I haven't directly addressed with you because I don't have to, and you don't have to with me. So I think they come out naturally. Now, sometimes you ask me my opinion and I want to be very careful in how hard I would come across because we want the best for each other. The enemy, as we've talked about before, Sarah, is not between us or anybody else. It's the principalities and powers, and they want to destroy relationships. And if we can keep that in mind when we're dealing with each other, that is, that's in general that is the biggest thing. We want to be very careful and tread softly when we're giving opinions, especially if it's a very direct opinion. I wanted to say one other thing. I'm afraid the time will go by and uh, neither one of, us will, one of us will remember this. One of the big things that has really helped myself and, and my husband is the idea of learning, of understanding people and learning about what different personalities they are. Um, I know that we, um, and it might seem to something from too far from the past, but Gary Smalley had uh, something out that was a lot of fun because he's fun of the different, of the different uh, personalities. And that helped us to understand people so well. The other thing that I have, I have done personally, and then I've talked about, I talk about it with Gary is learning about the different issues that people have gone through. It has helped in my own family to understand the trauma that people have gone through um, so that when I'm talking with them, that there's a greater understanding instead of just like, I don't even know where they're coming from. It really, really, it has really helped me. And it helps me with with you. I mean, you have many things out that have that have explained what has happened, but also what God has done in your life as well as mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's really good. And I think another key part is 
you were raised in a good family and I know you weren't raised in a Christian family, but you're, you're, you had a good family. And I think that sometimes it's really easy to cross boundaries or become too offended or, or not just let grace cover things when we haven't dealt with our own issues and lies and triggers. And so I would think a real key to not crossing boundaries in in-law relationships or really any relationship is to when something comes up in your own heart that's causing you to feel offense or anger or anxious or depressed or um, whatever seems to be triggering you, whatever lies you might be believing, as something comes up, to be able to ask the Lord, what is this? Is this true? What is the truth of this? Um, What do you want to heal in me? Or what do I need to repent of? Or where do I need to seek further help in this? Because the, the healthier we get emotionally and spiritually, I think the better we're going to be with one another and well, the better we're going to love one another. Well, and just, you know, I, I am talking about overall, my family was, was, I felt like was healthy, but there were issues that does not mean I didn't have my own issues. And, um, because we're, we're raised, we're being raised in a fallen world and I have had my own, um, different buttons pushed. And I've reacted out of them, and um, I've been—I have been learning through the years to recognize what they are and to really look at it. One of them is just this feeling of not being as good as everybody else, and um, I know that's not true, but it depends on the situation. So I—I I go to God and I ask Him about that. But I've also read other books that have helped me to recognize things because there's damage for everybody because we're living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nobody's untouched by it in That's some right. way. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me, let me get into some of the more nitty gritty questions that uh, people have asked. So this was kind of a big one. It's what do healthy boundaries look like when a family becomes extended? So when now you have this in-law family And especially around holidays and stuff, when there's so many touchy areas, like this person said that, you know, she dreads holidays because I, she didn't go into it too much, but I'm, I'm thinking it's because, you know, who are we going to spend the holidays with? Can't, you know, if a family's had a tradition for all the years and then it changes as the in-law situation changes or the, you know, family relationship dynamics change. And I think what I'm getting from this person is that they feel selfish if they say no or set certain boundaries. Can you just, I don't know, talk us through a little bit what healthy boundaries could, should, would be healthy to look like now that family has changed because there's extended family? Well, because we're in the same family, I think you have seen things evolve as well. First of all, when um, your family starts to grow because you have grown children getting married, the, the, mother-in-law and father-in-law need to flex with everything because we may have had our own uh, traditions, but you have to be flexible with the growing family because they're being connected to other families who have their own traditions. So the healthy grown-up thing to do is to allow them to decide how they want to handle their um, their holidays, hoping that they will want to connect with the family in some way 
it's it's called compromise. I use that word a lot. To you, that you compromise, and hopefully you'll want to be with each other, but yet respect what the other person wants to do. So, an, so an example of this is a one member of our family um, handled it in a very um, calm way. But matter of fact, we it doesn't have to be a drama or dramatic. Like, well, this is what we'd like to do in our family. We want to spend the holiday, I'll say Christmas, with our own family. I totally understood that because that's what I wanted to do. I'm thankful. Hopefully I would have understood it even if I hadn't done that. But yet we want to be able to spend every other year, say for Christmas, with our family, but it just can't be on the holiday. So in our family, we rotate every other year for both Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it was established in the beginning, or maybe not from the very beginning. Sometimes it takes time for things to evolve, but to just be flexible with each other. And everybody has to kind of be a grown-up in that. And the mother-in-law, I think it's the toughest for the mother-in-law, because you you feel like your family's disintegrating, and you're losing all this stuff. And there's no control, which we usually don't have control over everything. But if, but if you can just kind of step back and realize, okay, things are changing, how can we work this out? And then we can enjoy it. And I think, I think that has worked out really well. So what do you do as a daughter-in-law um, with a mother-in-law that maybe is not handling it like that? First of all, her husband has to remember that he's got to be stronger than his mother in that he's going to talk with his wife about it. They have to talk over these, these main things, make a decision. And if it's too uncomfortable for the daughter, it's, it's probably the son-in-law or the, the son should be saying to, to his own parents, um, this is what we have decided to do. We want to be flexible in this, but this is, and keep it matter of fact, don't make it dramatic. If they choose to be too dramatic or get upset, that's their choice. You just ask God for self-control. So I think it helps if one, if it doesn't always have to work that way, but I think it helps if, if it's the son and daughter-in-law, then let the son say that. If it's the other way, let that because that's their relationship. So that's just my opinion, but um, it can work out. I've seen it work out. Um, I think we've tried to be flexible. We didn't always say it only had to be our family. We've tried to, for instance, include your family if they're making a big trip. Um, if something happened where it wasn't, it, it was our year, but you, you will say you and you wanted to go someplace, let's be flexible. You know, if it was happening all the time and there was avoidance, then that's when someone would need to sit down and talk about that. But otherwise, just try to be flexible. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, What does it look like to be a Christian and have healthy boundaries? Because family is so huge in the Bible, but we also need time away, uh, with just our, our immediate family. Do you have any thoughts on, is it actually biblical to set all these boundaries? What do you, what do you say about that? 
I, I just think that in general, that we all have to have healthy boundaries because we have a tendency to be selfish and we want our way. We want things to be done our way. We want everybody's different in how much time I just think that we want with each other. I mean, it's a compliment that you want time with someone, but sometimes that's not healthy because you're taking away from your own family. I just think it's very biblical to want to connect with your extended family. Those are your roots. That's, uh, I, I think, and God wants you to honor your mother and father. Um, I, I don't think that you're raised in a family just not to have anything to do with each other. I think aunts and uncles are very important. They have a huge impact on their nieces and nephews if you allow them to spend time together. Uh, especially you were talking about a Christian family, what a godly influence from generation to generation, but yet um, there are times to come away. And I think it's called, the word is consideration. You can ask each other um, or you can invite. Don't over, I, I can't really go, well, you need to see each other at least once a week. I would never say that every family is going to be a little bit different. But just even being on the phone, you know, I mean, there's some people who are on the phone with each other every day. That blows my mind. But I couldn't, I couldn't say that's wrong. But if it's taking away from your core family, where you're talking more to that mother or father more than you're talking to your own husband or wife, I don't think that's healthy. Um, I think they should come first. They are the people that you should be discussing things with before you discuss with everybody else. So I think healthy boundaries are wonderful. Mm, I Well, yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you, <laughs> obviously. Okay, so here's another question. How do you navigate family gossip when parents come to you and vent about others in the family? Well, there are times when maybe things need to be talked about because there's been a, a hurt and they're having a hard time handling it. And I think if it's out of, uh, it goes back to asking God again first, I think you should go to your mate first and talk to them about it and see if you can, if you can uh, work through a good uh, way of dealing with the situation. Go to God, go to your mate for, um, next. Sometimes, you may need to go to the parent. I've had that happen, but you know what? If it, if it is out of, I am not cutting this person down, I want the best for this person, and I truly want to honor God in how we handle these things, then that's not gossip. But if it's just coming to tear someone's character down and just to complain and whine about something, that is talk about detrimental to a family. And if that happens, if that's, if that's what it's turning into, then I, I, then I think um, it may not be a, a, look, you're gossiping and we shouldn't be doing this, but, but um, directing the conversation towards how can we pray about this? How can we, if you're really having this issue, how can I help you towards reconciliation? How can we do this? And always moving them back to God and towards reconciliation. Sometimes someone needs to be heard, but it's always with the heart of reconciliation because sometimes there's really heavy 
things uh, with people and and it needs to be recognized but but it's always um, sending them back towards towards the Lord and reconciliation and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does a daughter-in-law do when her mother-in-law continually crosses boundaries is, is, you know, always offering her opinions saying you shouldn't do it this way, or this is not how you should wash the lettuce or <laughs> how should a daughter-in-law wisely approach that with her mother-in-law? Cause that's scary. And it is, it is because if you have a mother-in-law that's doing that all the time, first of all, try to, what I'd be doing is what kind of issues is, if it's, if it's really over with my mother-in-law, she was, she was not like that. It is, she just wasn't, she was overall a really good mother-in-law. I just gave you a, for instance, so I would not say anything about the lettuce because she only did it like once in a blue moon. So I can't imagine what I did. So in that case, I wouldn't say anything, but if there was an if that was the issue over and over and over again, I'd be praying again. I know that's the obvious thing, but you know what? A lot of times we just do things without going to God. Um, I'd be praying. I'd be talking about it with my husband. I'd be making sure that I was not putting down his mother. That is the person that raised him. So she must have done something good if you actually married that person. Um, Third of all, I'd be thinking about what what is it within her personality or within things that have happened to her that she makes her feel like that. What I would probably be doing is talking about it with my husband and asking him, you know, we've got this problem. I want the best in our relationship. How, how should we go about helping to solve this problem, realizing that it wouldn't be one time it's probably going to take years of praying and of working through and then really praying about how do I approach her? Because if it's that bad, then you're eventually going to have to talk about it with her. And that is not easy. That's why you're praying and asking God to have grace in your speech, but yet be talking about how you feel, not attacking character. This, when you say this, this is how this makes me feel. And then be willing, this is the other hard part, is being able to say to her, I, I'm telling you these things because I want, I want a good relationship with you. I, I, if you'll allow me to talk to you with this, then, then I would be open to hearing, you know, how, you know, what her viewpoint is of her. That is really hard. Because she may not show a lot of wisdom in that, but yet you're making yourself vulnerable. Now, is that, you know, I've done that before and it's worked out great, but you may have a mother-in-law or a daughter-in-law that is really a damaged person and they may not respond well, but that's why I'm saying you better be praying and then have your husband come alongside of you. And if you know, down the road, if it really gets bad, then he is going to have to, he'll have to go and talk to his mom, but it better be done in the right way. Yeah. There's two things that are so good. One I'm hearing you say, and I love this over and over again, and it just reminds me, and it's so important that your husband is your family, like too, and yeah, like he's your person now. And so 
go and talk with him about that, like be a team. Yes. That yeah. you're not on your own with your in-laws, like right. your husband and you are a team. I love how you keep going back right. and talking about that and the importance of that. Absolutely. The other thing that you've done that I have learned from and that I really love is when I can remember one time and I, I don't even remember what the issue was, so it doesn't even matter, but I can remember coming to you, this was years ago and I had, there was something that was bothering me. You hadn't like crossed a boundary or something, but something had hurt me or offended me. I don't remember. And I remember coming to you and talking to you and instead of just responding right away, you said, let me, let me think about what you've said and let me pray about it. And let me just think about it so I can respond to you. And you went and you took like a day or two. And I remember you came back to me. You had written, you had prayed, you had like written down some notes. You had asked me more questions. And it was so wise that you didn't just immediately respond. Like you took the time to hear me and then to actually go and think through what I was bringing to you. And I just think that is so valuable, whether it's a mother-in-law or a daughter-in-law or whoever, when somebody comes to you with something and says, you know, here's how I'm feeling, or this really hurt me to not just be defensive or to even answer right away, but say like, let me, you know, or let me think about that. Or like, here's some more questions I have so I can understand you that these are all things that lead towards reconciliation and, and really loving each other, even when it's hard, even when things aren't perfect. Anyway, I just love that. Well, it keeps me out of trouble too, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I don't, I'm not a person. I like to think through things um, most of the time. And I, you know, I realize um, not all the time, but I realize that we're not talking about just now. We're talking about lifetime things, eternity things, and how we treat each other. So I, I try to keep that. Does that mean I don't ever, I, I mean, I've gotten... I, I really struggled um, in relationships with working and maybe they didn't even know it, but it's because it was more of a struggle inside of me than with people. But I, I just want to honor God and, you know, it's really hard to get hurtful words back. It is really hard. Mm, yes. Oh, that is so good. Before I ask you for any last encouragement and advice to daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws, I want to tell everybody this one story because I think this is, is really neat. Um, there was a time where my husband and I were having a disagreement about something and we could not resolve it ourselves. And so we called up his parents because we knew they had wisdom and we invited them over and we each shared our side <laughs> and we're like, okay, who's right? Like, and even when we were asking what I, what you got, you never gave us your opinion. Like you didn't, you listened. And then I'll never forget Gary saying, and you said this with him, you know, you were like, well, we are going to pray that God aligns your hearts. And I was like, no, because you know, I'm right. <laughs> I just remember thinking that. And, but it was so wise because what it forced us to do well, first of all, it wasn't about what you guys thought, but you then just prayed for us that God would align our hearts. And, and eventually he did, which was pretty incredible. This was over my sister's wedding, that whole, that whole. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was hard. really hard. 
That was hard. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, I'll just briefly say years ago when my sister got married, we did not have the money. She was married several states away and we just had no money at all. And I couldn't afford to go to her wedding. And I was like, well, I'm going to put it on a credit card. And my husband's like, you can't put it on a credit card because we won't be able to pay it off. And, you know, there was validity to both of the things that we were saying. And so anyway, so we invited Susan and Gary over to help us decide. And, um, and it was just really wise. I think that you guys listened really well and then just said that you pray for God to align our hearts. <laughs> and, uh, and he really did. I, I didn't end up going and that's a whole other story for another time, but. Well, that goes, it goes back to the triangle thing. Oh, yeah. I didn't actually ask that question. What she's referring to is somebody had asked, we had talked about this before we actually recorded. Somebody had said, what do you do when um, parents are bringing you into or, or, um, or daughter, son-in-laws, whatever, are bringing you into an argument? Like, what does that, what do you do there? Don't go into the argument. That, that's a real no brainer. That's kind of a black and white, but that's probably what I say. Never, never, never. Um, no, but, but most of the time we should not be involved with other people's discussions like that. That's not, it was really mature of you both to ask us uh, that, that I, I probably would have never done with, I wouldn't do that with anybody. So I, I was surprised. We, I think we were both surprised that you, ha- I forgot about that, but I'm, I'm so glad that we answered like that and that you two had to figure it out. Yeah. Well, cause that is not healthy to draw other people into your discussions. Yeah. Those kind of things. Not like that. Yeah. Right. No. Um, okay. So as we wrap up here, Suze, did you notice that she called me Suze? I do. You're so long suffering with me. She likes to be called Susan and I always forget it's been 16 years and I still call her Suze because I love it, but I allow it now. You're it's allowed. Maybe I shouldn't. Do you hate it? No. Am I crossing a boundary? Well, yes, you are, but I allow it. <laughs> it's it's like special. I Jeez. know. I feel special. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> all right. What advice can you give to the mother-in-law who's listening, who is, God bless her, doing everything she can to try and hold back, but it's really hard when she's seeing her daughter-in-law or her son just making decisions that she wouldn't want them to make or that she doesn't think are healthy or good. And what can you speak into her life to encourage her? Well, um, I think with any mother-in-law, I think, uh, the greatest thing is to trust the Lord with your kids. It is really hard. It's really a scary world out there with everything that we're seeing. You're ultimately, you have to trust God for your kids and to pray for them. And, um, to the big, big thing is they just need support and support isn't opinions and suggestions. It's you are there, you love them. Um, and if they want guidance that you, you'll guide them, you'll be the, the mentor naturally, but don't interfere, but also realize that, you know, we're all in this together and you're a family. And that's how I look at all my in-laws. They are my family. And so I'm, that's what I want to be with them. So that is the short version of what I would encourage with any mother or father-in-law. Yeah, that's so good. One of the things that I just love about you is I'll feel like 
I'm failing as a mom or I'm doing something terrible. And you're always like, you're a good mom. You're doing a good job. Like you're always so supportive and encouraging. And it always means so much to me. And the other thing you do is that you always come and Gary does this too. And you always tell me the good stories about my kids. (laughs) I want to encourage, we want to encourage you. I'm so grateful. So I, I think sharing encouraging stories with one another, seeing the good and praising that, you know, that's so good. All right. Last question. Um, what advice or encouragement can you give to the daughter-in-law who feels just like she's really struggling with her mother-in-law because, you know, her mother-in-law keeps maybe interfering or, um, going to the son instead of her. And how can you encourage the daughter-in-law today? Well, um, I actually wrote this down and, um, my encouragement to you for all the daughters-in-law out there, I, I'm hoping that you'll realize that you're not the only one in this struggle. And I'm hoping that you're going to acknowledge that the guy you love was raised by this wonderful woman, even with all of her issues. Otherwise, she has to have had something to do with the good that you see in your husband. Um, pray in your interactions with them. That may be Uh, weekly, daily, whatever thing, but go to God praying about everything. Keep a short leash on your own sinful reactions or thoughts. Confess them to your heavenly father. And that's really in general. But if you're having an issue with her, especially remember that. Make a point to understand her background and also her personality. It will save you so so much frustration. It doesn't excuse her sinful actions, but it, uh, it will help you understand her. Talk with your husband about each major situation out to, and how to lovingly yet firmly go about, go about it. So that is a basic thing that I would encourage you with, all those daughters-in-law out there. Yeah, that's really good. Susan, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I am honored. I am, as your son would say, I am famous now. (laughs) My son, you guys, my 12-year-old son, he told his grandma, tell the story real quick, Susan, then we'll go. Well, I was, he was outside pulling my weeds and he always points out that I always have weeds. Of course, I paid him. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, did you know that I was going to be on your mother's podcast? And he says, well, grandma, you're going to be famous now. (laughs) So I'm famous. It's so hilarious. Oh, all right, Sue. Thank thank you you. so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not. So please, if you like the show, take a minute and give it a review. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out sarahmay.com forward slash the complicated heart podcast. See you next time.